Wild Loner, a sentimentally comedic podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Wild Loner. I'm here, your host, Jenna McGilvery, and I'm here accompanied again by my friend, Josh. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. How are you, Jenna? Oh, I'm excellent. As per usual, nothing phases me. I don't get irritated in the least at anything in my life. So everything is perfect. <laughs> if you can't tell, that That's was a that, laugh of sarcasm. No, no, I, I get it. I know. <laughs> I'm not overly irritated. I don't know why I would suggest such a thing. Um, I didn't really eat enough today, so I'm slightly irritable based on my uh, sugar levels. But other than that, everything's good. So I have no, no major complaints, except for what we're going to discuss today, which is toxic relationships. And I wanted to start by saying I set out um, a questionnaire on Instagram asking the listeners for some suggestions of what they would like to hear. And I'd first of all like to say that I'm taking into account all of those suggestions and uh, toxic relationships was one of them. And I had already pre-planned to have a little bit of a discussion about that based on just what I've been thinking about lately and some irritability I've felt as of late, I guess. And it kind of relates to, you know, dating in general, some of my dating history, some of the work I've done about, you know, figuring out what some of my issues are, and then um, relating this all to kind of COVID and what dating's been like during COVID and what humans have been like during COVID. You know, people also asked what some of my pet peeves are, and one of my main pet peeves uh, is humans. Um, I'd also say that one of my pet peeves is this guy, Josh Elliott. I don't Ooh. know if you know him. Sometimes he he's on my show. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was just mean. The, that wasn't even funny. The, I tried to be funny, and it wasn't. The interrupter. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'll start with um, the story I had. No, sorry. I was going to start with... Just caveating things by somebody asked what um, what else I do other than yachting. And uh, I actually have a degree in social work. And at times I have worked as a social worker in child welfare, in the capacity of child welfare. Uh, I've also done some family therapy. And uh, it has been a very rewarding career and sometimes challenging and very heartbreaking and you definitely get to really see what humans are capable of or at their worst and also at their best. So uh, that has been very interesting. So today's talk being about um, toxic relationships, I also want to caveat that by saying I am by no means offering therapeutic advice in this situation. I am a social worker, but I am not offering therapeutic advice. I am merely offering my opinions based on my experiences, uh, and I just want to be clear about that. This isn't in the capacity of me offering anyone therapy, because I am speaking to the audience as a whole, and again, these are just opinions of my own. So just to clear that up, and um, you know, in case there was any misconceptions I, I also, where this info was coming from. I also may have some opinions as well. Based on your experiences, right? Yes. Based on my experiences, I am not a social worker um, right. or you know, probably even good at um, any kind of therapy. But uh, Have you I'm been to listener. therapy? That's a good question to ask. Um, no, I haven't. Not, um, not personally. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no, no. I, no, I haven't. I, you know, I have been through some 
uh, you know, some family therapy with a relative that was an alcoholic, but not necessarily yeah. for me. They weren't pinpo- they weren't all looking at me. <laughs> so that was good. Uh, well, I, was just having, I was innocent bystander. Well, that's yeah. That's sounds like you've at least seen what some therapy can include. And I would say, you know, obviously, I'm a huge advocate for mental health and uh, for myself and for the mental health of others. And I really take a lot of interest in learning about mental health and human behaviors. And obviously, that's a big subject matter for this show. So for me, that's um, something that fascinates me and terrifies me all at the same time. And sometimes it's very confusing when I use it in relation to my own life because uh, I, you know, I find it's a lot easier to look at other people's circumstances and say, well, that's easy. Just do this because you don't have that emotional investment. But when it's your own life, it's a lot harder because you're emotionally invested in a person. So, you know, it's easy to judge from the outside, but once you're in a circumstance, that's when the real work comes in. You seem pretty stable. <laughs> I know. That's actually, <laughs> like, I've done a lot of work on presenting myself as a very stable individual. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, so, so I'm going to start by, ju- by just saying um, this story that came to mind last night I was thinking about. So I, I was thinking about this time. This has actually happened on a couple occasions um, where I've been asked to punch a guy in the face. And uh, this kind of may sound weird out of context, but it's not entirely abnormal when you're drinking at a Canadian party, especially in the winter. But it reminded me of kind of all of the Canadian fights I've seen. And I don't know how it relates to fights in America and kind of like, you know, this, um, what I've witnessed is primarily males that are drunk and want to engage in, you know, kind of a gentle punch up. When I when I've been asked to punch people in the face, um, on, the, on, the, on the many times that you've been asked to punch people, it's been two in the face. occasions in my life. And so what glad I re- I'm not what, in Canada. <laughs> well, believe me, Josh, I I wouldn't just do this willy nilly. This is not something. But what I realized is, I think that what makes me kind of heartbroken is that I think the reason why these fights occur and why people might ask somebody to punch them in the face is because they they just want to feel something. And that's a little bit sad, isn't it? Like like Tyler Durden and Fight Club. Yeah, like it, it is that. And you just like, you know, I think in life in general, um, it is a bit of a letdown. <laughs> because we do, you know, I, I remember my childhood being so excited about everything that was to come. And um, I'll tell you a story that when I was... Uh, 10 years old, I was at the ski hill and they let me buy one of those lottery tickets that was like a pull tab lottery ticket. And mm-hmm. I won $100. And with that $100, I went to the dollar store and I bought like pots and pans and plates and cutlery and stuff because I was thinking about how excited I was for my first apartment when I was 10 years old. So I was always like, I was a kid and I loved being at home, but I also loved fantasizing about the future. And the danger, as we all know, is fantasizing about the future doesn't make us happy in the present um, because we never have what we don't have. You lust after what what you want and you don't have it. So you're not satisfied until you get it. And then once you get it, you're still thinking about things in the future. So that's my one thing. But I would say that, uh, sorry, that's just kind of getting off topic. I'm just Well, I didn't know this was going to be about time travel. Well, it 
is, okay? Now I know. Now I know we're so, conspiracy podcast now. Yes, and in my time travel, um, what I've seen actually is you getting punched in the face by me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, in, in, in my time travel back when you were 10 years old, I saw you wanting to be a chief stew. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. So we both knew what our destiny was. I was destined to be a chief stew and you were destined to get punched in the face. Yeah, but um, it didn't hurt. I already know. Awesome. Well, I don't have a very good punch. I've been told that. So, and also, I just like to say, I don't advocate punching people um, unless they really need it, you know, unless right. <laughs> unless they're really begging for it. And then you, you know, it's a consensual punch, then it's okay. But um, you can fantasize about punching people, but I don't recommend vocalizing it or acting out those uh, fantasies. We're a nonviolent podcast for sure. Yes. 100%. <laughs> so... Um, in relation to toxic relationships, I've had a few. <laughs> um, one played out on national television. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. But, I thought we were um, generalizing that. What? We weren't going to we were general. Gen- I thought we were going to generalize that. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I just messed Let's with cut you. that part out. I will. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know what? I think uh, that, to be fair... I can't really say that that was a toxic relationship. It was an extremely abnormal relationship because who is in a relationship that's on TV um, surrounded by cameras and other people? I just think it's uh, very uh, abnormal to what is involved in a normal relationship. And I would say even regular relationships have extreme challenges. So one that's playing out on TV is even more so. So that was uh, a very stressful relationship for me, to say the least, I would say, to have it be on TV. But uh, also there was some toxicity there, and uh, I'm not unfamiliar with that. And I don't know, I can't really remember what was played in the episodes, but I do remember being asked by producers, you know, do you think that this is a pattern for you um, of choosing this type of man? And I will answer yes. And and I'll and I'll explain why that is, at least why I think that is. I'd like to reference a book that I read last summer that was recommended to me by a friend. It's called Attached, and uh, it's the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love. It's, I should probably so, read that book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I don't like that. I don't like that little terminology because it makes it sound very um, self-helpy. But it's for me, it's interesting to learn about um, attachment theory. And for anyone who's listening that may have taken um, intro to psychology or knows the basics of psychology um, or has studied child development, there's a theory called attachment theory, and it's all about you know how we develop as um, infants and how you know, our, our parental figures or people that are around us, um, how they interact with us, how that, uh, how that shapes our brains for future functioning. So there's really like two kind of ideas that I have from, from what I've learned is that uh, obviously a lot of, you know, our ideas and our concepts, um, and the way that we function comes from childhood, but also, some of how we behave and feel and function comes from experiences that we have after we're developed. So in, um, you know, adolescence to into our adult years, I would say, well, I, I've actually taken the test of attachment. So sorry to, to clarify what kind, what kind of attachments there are. 
Um, there's anxious, there's avoidant, and there's secure. Basically, somebody who's anxious is going to be somebody who kind of needs constant reassurance from a partner, maybe fears that they're going to be left by a partner, doesn't feel um, safe or stable in that relationship, maybe gets jealous. The avoidant uh, attachment style is somebody that will, you know, make up issues in a relationship in order to avoid that. They may be prone to um, isolate themselves, to steer clear of relationships altogether together, to sabotage relationships, to, you know, again, like really make issues out of something that isn't there. And that can be really quite detrimental to the person who's on the receiving end of that, because you can start to believe that, um, you know, those things are problems that are inherent in you, and that may not be the case. People who have narcissistic personality disorder um, oftentimes uh, have that kind of uh, attachment issue, which is avoidant. Um, And then the secure uh, attachment style is somebody who is comfortable in relationships, feels secure, you know, doesn't often get jealous, um, is able to um, give and receive love and affection without discomfort. Those are other elements of avoidant attachment. People are um, often uncomfortable giving or receiving affection and love and anxious people like want to hear it a lot. And then, uh, um, sometimes get nervous if they don't hear it enough. Does that, is that a concise, um, you know, for somebody like you who, I don't think you have read this book or maybe thought too much about attachment theory, not because you're stupid, but just because. Yeah, I think so. But I think, well, I shouldn't say I think everybody knows. I mean, I, I think I think it's pretty common knowledge these days. This day I don't think it is. Stuff. For real? Oh, yeah. No, for real. I, I really don't. Um, I mean, there's a book about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've had more experience with it than I thought. <laughs> Perhaps you're more developed than you think. Um, so what um, attachment style would you be? Well, you know, obviously it's a combination of, of all of them, but I would say What do you mean, probably, obviously? <laughs> well, I don't, th- I don't think you're just one or the other, um, but I'm definitely... Well, you're more uh, prone to one. So you'd be a higher rating of one more than the other. Yes, right. And so, um, yeah, I guess I would be the um, anxious, but not jealous. So it's... You know, I probably have some of the other ones mixed up in there, but that's typically what I what I would be. A little bit anxious. I th- I'm always on edge, thinking that the relationship's about to end, mm-hmm. even when it's going well. Well, and uh, you know, I I have heard some of your dating uh, history, and uh, I'd say you're you're probably similar to me in the sense that I would actually classify myself as more of a secure person. Um, surprisingly, I actually surprised myself when I, (laughs) when I evaluated that, but, um, I I would say I'm definitely more secure. However, my relationship that I have talked about on this podcast that ended in Australia, I think really did, um, some detriment to me in terms of my ability to trust people and, uh, to feel comfortable in relationships, um, like I did before that happened. So, yeah, that's that's definitely been a factor. And so I, I think that one thing that I've noticed in dating is that a lot of people, um, you know, that are out of their 20s have had some kind of experience that has been, you know, maybe traumatic or tumultuous or shattered their idea of what they thought was possible in a loving relationship. And um, as a result they 
aren't as open and willing as they were in their 20s. And so you're kind of getting these like slightly damaged people and we're we're all kind of slightly damaged, right? And the other thing about the attachment theory is that primarily people who are secure are people that are in relationships because they don't have those same issues. And then people who are anxious are, or avoidant are people who are in the dating pool because they're not going to be prone to be in relationships. So when you're dating, the majority of people that you're going to meet are not going to be secure individuals. So the chances of that being a successful relationship are then diminished more so than if you were in the pool prior to, you know, when people got really fucked up by other people. (laughs) So I would just say that my experience with toxic relationships is I'm really at a stage now where I think a lot of it's come out with COVID and spending a lot of time by myself. Um, But I noticed a marked difference in myself with my tolerance, one, to other people in general, and two, to men. Because I have seen in the last year some people or I've talked to some guys that I used to date And I've noticed that I just don't have the same tolerance for them as I used to. Like I used to really feel like I loved them and, uh, you know, was devastated when it ended. And I don't have those feelings anymore at all. And I think that's because I'm in a healthier place that I wouldn't go back to that kind of toxic circumstance. So I'm happy about that, (laughs) for one, because God damn it, is it ever painful to go through those experiences when you get left or, you know, somebody, like I said, changes your idea of what you think love is supposed to be or what it could be. And, you know, it's just, it's just not as easy as you think it's going to be. Right. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, a, for me, it seems to be building up walls, you know, and as you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have an issue and then you build a, build a wall to block that issue. And then you go through another relationship and you have another issue. So you build a wall to block that one pretty soon. You're just kind of stuck in this little cube. You know? Right. Don't right. Let anybody break in. Yeah. And then I, I do notice that I get like hyper fearful almost. Like if somebody shows interest in me, I'm like, oh God, I don't, I don't like that. It's like, I sit here like pining, like, God, why can't somebody just love me? And then somebody's like, I love you. And I'm like, ew, gross. What's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> So, I mean, that's a problem. I'd say you say I seem healthy. I'd say that's probably an issue. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think there are other factors, too. And it's just hard to decipher sometimes, you know, what's what's you creating things in what what are you creating in your mind and what is actual reality? Right. So I think that's the hard part. Yeah, I don't know. What are, like what can I tell you about my relationships? I have a long history of dating people that uh um have been very interesting. <laughs> what was the uh what was the most dramatic uh relationship ending that you've had? Well, I did discuss that one that I just I discussed that one on the episode McBesties with the the guy I was engaged to in Australia. But I mm-hmm. to be honest, so, I've so had that, a lot of was the... dramatic endings. Um oh, <laughs> um and then have. yeah we're like i like cry and i'm a very emotional person and uh you know I, I have been told at times that i have 
what would be called emotional dysregulation. And just in terms of things that I, I do have some issues with control. Um, I can admit these things about myself. Some things that I've really noticed about myself is that um, I'm quite aware of my environment and I really like to be able to control my environment so that it's safe and healthy for me. And I and I honestly believe that came from my experience in Australia because it ended so tumultuously and I was in a circumstance where I wasn't in, you know, my home country. I didn't know anyone there. Uh, the people that I did know turned on me in a very awful, aggressive manner. And um, and I really felt like completely powerless and like I had no control. So I think those are elements that I now bring forward into relationships where I fear I'm going to be in those situations again, because it was really awful. It was like, you know, PTSD type circumstances. And, um, so now in my own life, um, regardless of me being in a relationship, being able to control my environment, like my home, is very important to me. You know, that can border on unhealthy at times, I think, when when you do try to um, control all of your circumstances, because as we all know, you can't control everything. The important thing is, what can I control? Um, you know, I can't control somebody else's actions, but I can control how I react to somebody else, right? I think that's important. But yeah, I definitely feel myself um, pulling away from any potential relationships in the past year as a result of uh, just not wanting to take any risks and not, I haven't had a stable environment for the past year because of COVID and um, just living kind of out of a suitcase and traveling everywhere. So not having that stability, you know, that's not a time to find a relationship, but you have to be comfortable in your own circumstances and comfortable doing what you want to do and I've had that I had that conversation with my friend the other day where it was um you know we talked about uh trying to force a relationship when you're trying to fill a void and I think a lot of people are doing that right now because they're fucking bored with COVID so I think a lot of people are like you know desperately seeking somebody so that they don't feel so alone and they don't have to confront their own shit but this is I mean, it, it can happen, but I just don't, I don't think it's the healthiest time unless you have your shit together. And having your shit together, to me, really means being comfortable where you are, being comfortable with what you're doing and being comfortable with yourself. And if you're not in that mind frame, you're going to fuck up, you know, any anything that could be potentially good in, in my experience. Um, and I have many times. <laughs> And so of other people, I, you know, I don't hold myself solely responsible, you know, like I've chosen people who are primarily emotionally unavailable and those would be, um, avoidant type personalities. Um, that's what I've chosen. And, and I think I've done that maybe as a way to avoid it myself. Um, or there's another thing about confirmation bias. So it's like this idea that we have where it's this kind of bias, like, oh no, well, all relationships end poorly or some, everyone treats somebody like shit. It's always going to end that way. So you almost choose those relationships to confirm what you believe is true. And, and I don't think that's true. I don't think that all people are shit, but I will say a huge amount of them kind of are. And I don't know if you agree with me, that's hugely pessimistic, but there's a lot of fucking shitty people out there. There's a lot of people that cheat on their spouses. There's a lot of people that are fucking selfish as shit. Um, 
There's a lot of people that, you know, just don't have good values or morals. And talking about pet peeves, that's one of my biggest pet peeves are inauthentic people who are, you know, lack the the character to be what I would consider a good person. And I'm not saying that I'm a saint. Uh, I've done tons of shitty things in my life you know, primarily calling you names on a regular basis. That's really right, mean one, of me. One to punch me in the future. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, for the, for all the people, for all the relationships that you're talking about, like in the, in general though, um, there's been a lot of, there's a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of people settling for things that they yeah. either normally wouldn't settle for or oh, yeah. their bubble is a lot smaller and their reach is a lot shorter than mm-hmm. a typical uh, year, you know, a typical year to, to be looking for a relationship. And yeah. to be moving around and finding uh, the one. So you, you start, you know, add, add that, you know, multiply that on top of all the different things that we already talked about, building walls and getting older and having less tolerance and, and the shitty people out there um, that are left in the pool of people because of the, I pe- know. the other people, you know what I'm saying? So it's, like, I know. it's smaller, 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 and we're in a pretty tight bubble with COVID. And then you have to factor in too, like say you find somebody who has all of the um, morals and values that you have, and then you're not physically attracted to them. So it's like, God, I hate when that happens. <laughs> There's just so many factors is what I'm saying. There's so many factors to find um, what you're looking for. And, and then, and then the stupid friggin' social media, you go on there and then you see people who are like, perfect or who appear to be perfect specimens of a relationship and uh then you feel like a big old pile of shit about your life but in reality they hate them each other and themselves and they never have sex so you know it's uh it's not good to compare we've discussed that before um but i don't know like what do you how do you think it is to find the right person like do you think it's? Do you think there's hope for that? Uh, yeah, I think there is. Um, like for you, I, <laughs> right? I know, I know. Well, I, I, you know, I like last year at the same time, I would have thought there was. Um, and then, yeah, you know, once sorry. that gets smashed, then you um, then you move on and stuff. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's I feel like it's out there, but I also you know I think every single time I do think. I'm keeping more for myself this next mm-hmm. go around. You know what I mean? And that's not really fair for for whoever. No, it isn't. And and that's what but, that's what kind of sucks. But I have to be that way, you know. Right. I get it. You have to, but you have to. You have your guard up. But then it's like the difficulty is then your that person gets like each time you have an ending of a relationship that hurts you, then every new person gets this like shattered version of you. Right. That's like less and less of who you were originally, um, unless they can make you comfortable and feel safe and, um, break down those walls that you've built up, which maybe is how it works. Um, in a supportive, loving relationship. I'm not sure. Cause I haven't experienced one that often. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now to be six fair, months are always that way. Yeah. To be fair. I actually have had quite a few like really loving relationships. I, I don't see them that clearly because I think about more than all the shitty ones I've had and that kind of sucks. But yeah, I think it, it, again, it's so much more, it's so much easier to be damaged by shit than it is to be um, uplifted by, you know, your positive experiences and think, well, I don't know. I still believe in love. Like, 
You know, I, I think I, to be honest, I really did. And I'll admit this. I really did when I was on below deck. And when that, when I was in that relationship, I was like, oh my God, this is like my love story that I have thought about for years. This is how it should happen. And I really believed in it. And I think one of my issues is when I really believe in something and a whole team of people are telling me the opposite, um, I'm going to really fight that because uh, I don't want my dream to be broken, right? So, um, yeah, it was to me, it was really devastating how it ended because um, because I, I really believed in it and uh, I felt I had that person's back and that was definitely not the case um, in return, in my opinion. So uh, that really devastated me. And uh, I know other people that were on the show with me, heard me cry quite a few times afterwards. Um, and uh, you heard me cry. <laughs> that was in the future. <laughs> no, that was in the past. It was in the time oh, machine. Yeah, oh, yeah, in the past. Ago. But also in my in my future visions, you're also crying. <laughs> um, let's just be clear. In both the past, present, and future, I will be crying. <laughs> That's a guarantee. Um, but so will you because uh, you're – I've seen you cry very often you're a little bitch josh (laughs) (laughs) well at least we'll get a good clip out of it i'm just kidding because you know what it's great that i will say last year um it was almost a year ago you and i had this conversation i remember sitting at my house and i was sitting outside on the deck so it must have been like eight eight months ago or something and you and i both talked about the demise of our relationships and uh I felt it was quite good for you to open up about that. and um, Oh, yeah. We definitely bonded over that one. We um, did. We both, we both have some good stories, and we both, um, you know, we've seen our fair share of heartbreak and yeah. and and false false loves. You know, I guess George isn't the only one that thought he found the one twice. Well, that's it. Like, you know, <laughs> you know we're, I mean? we're all in those circumstances at times. We're all and, George. And I just... We are we are all George, George. We're all you. Um, we're all you, George. And I do hope that you know, like I hope love for everyone. And but I I do I also know that feeling, and I don't know if you you can um, empathize with this feeling of being in a relationship and feeling lonelier than when you're actually alone. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the worst, right? Like God, when you go to bed and like the person just doesn't even touch you or acknowledge acknowledge your existence, and like, oh, that's such a bad feeling. I have like these memories of like being with partners and just like laying in bed and being like in my mind, like, please just touch me, please just hug me, please just say that you love me. And um, after you know, like me showing that affection over and over, and the. Like, I don't know what's going on in their head. They're probably just like, hmm, should I have a hot dog for dinner or maybe a cheeseburger? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have no idea. Or they're like, Motor- Fuck, motorcycle carburetors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that too. That too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, sometimes people be thinking like, we're just, I don't know. I love how we're just it. totally generalizing the men that I date. Yeah, I don't know. All they think about two, is hot dogs and motorcycles. two-stroke yeah. motor or a four-stroke motor, I don't really know. But that one's a little bit cheaper. But I don't know which one has more power. <laughs> well, you can tell me. Is that what... No, I, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes guys think about um, well uh, in, and engines. To, and to be fair, like sometimes I'm thinking about and that. Power. A guy like I've dated guys who you know might be a little bit more in tune with their emotions than other guys I've dated, and I've had them be like, 
what are you thinking about? Because I'm thinking about how much I love you right now. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. I'm thinking about right. like that you just peed all over the toilet seat and I want to fucking punch you. And I've time traveled and I know that I, I am going to punch you for peeing on the seat. <laughs> <laughs> I will never pee on your seat. <laughs> well, you say that now, Josh, but you haven't been to my house. And, uh, you know, I told you I'm a control freak. I investigate all of the areas around the toilet and pee splatters unless you're sitting down. I'm going to pee in the closet. I'm not even going to go in the bathroom. Well, then you'd be like every other man in this world. Why do you guys always pee in the closet when you're drunk? Why is that a thing that men do? Who knows? It looks like a bathroom, I think. Have you peed in a closet? When you I haven't, but I, but I watched my friend Gabe do it several times. <laughs> I hope he's listening. Bastard. I never have, but uh, I've known quite a few men that like to pee in weird places. Um, yeah. Sometimes yeah, people's said- mouths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that's that's all i yeah i just had a future flashback um anyway okay <laughs> where do we go so yeah where, where yeah. Oh, no but i will i will say yeah no fuck gabe he he does say that he fuck has some gabe. kind of um he says he has some bladder kind of medical issue? no some kind of medical condition where he sleepwalks and he's do you know how dangerous it is to wake up a sleepwalker and i'm like Oh, that is scary. Yeah, I've heard of you're that. Peeing, well, yeah, but you're like, you're like, look, motherfucker, you're peeing in my closet. What do you want me to do? Just let you go? <laughs> no, okay, like no, okay. And and one time it was on my uh, my ex's coffee table in the living room. Oh my just, god, that's awesome. You know, I always hear water running out, and like I'm like, you know, I gotta sleep with one eye open. That guy around, you know. Oh my god, oh, yeah. I have one. Sending this to him too. You should. I have I have one good story about a boyfriend that peed once. We okay, um. Cool. We were in Ireland together, and uh, we went to – God, the name of it's going to escape me so now. So you, you weren't drinking then, I take it. <laughs> no. Drinking in Ireland? No, but to be fair, he was drinking quite excessively at the time, and I was <laughs> quite irritated by his drinking um, because when a guy can't handle his booze, that's when I get really irritated. I Sorry, can- Gabe. <laughs> I fucking hate Gabe because he can't handle his booze. Okay, okay so anyway, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I'm in Ireland and uh, yeah, I was drinking at this bar and we were staying in a hostel and we were staying in a four bed hostel and um, this older lady who was probably in her mid 50s was staying in the hostel room with us and we were sitting in the bar and he started to get like where he was getting too wasted and I was getting really irritated. Like he's like, ah, blah, blah, you know, like muttering stuff and stumbling. And I was like, yeah, fuck this. I'm going up to bed. So I said, I'm going to bed. I'll see you up there. So when he comes to bed, he's laying in his own bunk and I'm laying in the opposite bunk. And this 50 year old woman is laying in the bunk beneath him. So I wake up to the sound of like water pouring and realize (laughs) that he is peeing the bed and we were in a hostel and the mattress is like a piece of paper. So it's like trickling down onto the lady's stomach beneath him. I love this guy. Why Why are you not with him today? So I'm like, I shake him and I'm like, fucking get up and fucking go to the bathroom. And he's like, what are you talking about, bitch, or whatever. And then um, I'm like, you are fucking peeing the bed and it's going on this fucking lady. And she was dead asleep. She's like laying there like so comfy. And there's like pee pouring all over her. And he's like, he tries to say that it's the beer bottle that spilt over in his bed and toppled onto her. I'm like, no, it's your fucking penis because you're a drunk asshole and um shortly thereafter 
we broke up and uh in the morning from your bladder yeah i'm sorry i'm leaving you on account of the fact that you peed on a stranger in a hostel (laughs) (laughs) and the funniest part was we woke up in the morning and she didn't say anything and like she would have been covered in pee like i would have been like outraged and probably screamed at the person like you fucking piss on me but maybe she thought she had peed herself and was mortified i don't know there's so many factors but all of which you know i had nothing to do with so (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome actually that's my um, that's my favorite ex-boyfriend of yours so what tell yeah, me tell me more favorite? about this guy yeah so far so far well i'll tell you another story about this one he yeah, was yeah tell me about this he guy, was yeah. a crazy guy let captain me tell you so captain p we'll call him another thing he liked to do was this was also in ireland um so we lived with uh two other girls in this apartment and We In our bedroom, we had um, a chest of drawers and a bed. And one day I decided to rearrange the chest of drawers and the bed and put them on the opposite sides of the room. And when I moved the bed, guess what I found? He? (laughs) No. A hundred fucking used Q-tips. No word of a lie. And I was like, what the fuck? We've been living here for like two months. Okay. Oh, yeah. He was obsessed with using Q-tips, and then he would just use them and then chuck them underneath the bed because he was too lazy to get up and put it in the garbage. So, obviously, that repulsed me. That was literally the end of our relationship. And then he moved to another um, apartment, and eventually, one day, he said, can you come visit me? And I went to visit him, and I knocked on the front door, and I'm like, <laughs> waiting for him to come down. His bedroom was on the second floor. I look Beside the front entry door where there's this potted plants. And what do I see? Like a hundred Q-tips that he just thrown out his bedroom fucking window. Oh, man. This guy's a little bit disgusting. And he's probably listening. And And he's your favorite? No, 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 no. He was my favorite until the Q-tip story. Um, I feel like story When he's he's peeing on a a lady at a hostel, favorite. Uh, Tossing (laughs) Q-tips under the bed, not so much. But then I started to think, are the Q-tips... Uh, absorbent because if they are maybe he's building a nest to pee on no this is an this is a whole new level of repulsion like that was like you know and people who know me know that on earwax no you don't but people who know me know that i don't hold back so i'm gonna fucking tell you how disgusting you are and it was repulsive and i ripped into him about it like okay okay disgusting i do have another question yeah so you saw this. You're at his house. He's second floor. Yeah. You look down. You see the Q-tips. Yeah. Did you still bang him? No, that was the end of it. I was like, this is, you're so <laughs> oh, gross, You turned mate. around and walked off? Okay, right. No, I did see it. Like, I saw him. And, you know, like, he is okay, a nice guy. Right. But I will tell you. I'll tell you one. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell this. Tell I mean, me. I'm not naming him. So I don't know. I just feel Yeah, but people know his him. name because people, people, you've already told this story with the name before. Yeah, so I'm not going to tell this story because it's just too No, no, no. Far. Tell me. I want to know. No, I can't. It's he shit much. on someone. <laughs> he shit on the floor. Okay, oh, so he, ca- he I knew came. It, I knew it. I knew it. He I knew came it, I knew home it. one night from the bar, also wasted. And my roommates the next morning came to me and said, hey, Jenna, did you take a <laughs> shit beside the toilet? And I was like, you think I took a shit beside the toilet? So we go into the bathroom and see there's a deuce literally sitting beside the toilet. So he comes home all wasted. He's like, oh, holding his body up. And he's like, looks like this is where the toilet is. And then just poos on the side of the f- toilet floor. This guy is an animal. With He's like the dirtiest guy I know with the cleanest ears. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I mean, and I don't even know him. Like, he's the dirtiest guy I've and, ever heard of. And that, that was, you know, a long time ago. And he's uh, not the same person. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but I'll just ask say for wife, reference. Ask his wife about that. I'll just say for reference, his name is Jasper. Jasper. <laughs> yeah. How many Jaspers have you dated? One. And it was the one oh. who peed and pooed and Q-tipped all over everything. <laughs> hey, Jasper! <laughs> <laughs> what was his nationality? At least give me that. Canadian. Jasper the Canadian pooper. Yeah. So anyway, I think we should... Uh, call it the end at that point because where do you go from somebody taking a shit beside the toilet seat yeah <laughs> okay well thanks for oh, listening Lord guys God. this has been another episode of wild loner uh love to you all if nobody's told you yet today they love you i love you we love you <laughs>